This episode of Bradley's House Podcast is brought to you in part by our friends at HeyGoodFarms.com. HeyGood Farms' goal has always been to provide hemp products that improve your quality of life. And their process is really the difference maker. HeyGood Farms handles your product from the dirt all the way to delivery. This ensures a top quality product every time. And all their hemp comes from the same process, from the same facility, ensuring consistency in every order. Check out HeyGoodFarms.com. That's H-A-Y-G-O-O-D-F-A-R-M-S.com. And check out their incredible line of gummies, cartridges, oils, skincare, capsules, and even a line of products for our furry friends in the pet care section. The point of using CBD is to make sure that you're not putting bad stuff into your body. So check out HeyGoodFarms.com. You can see their lab results, reviews, and read more about their process and what makes HeyGoodFarms.com the leader in the CBD and hemp industry. We thank HeyGoodFarms for sponsoring this podcast and working with the Knoll Family Foundation in getting Bradley's house open to help us in our war against opioids. This is Jarrett from Buffalo, and you are listening to the Bradley's House Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back. Come on in and make yourself at home as you should when you're a guest in Bradley's house. I am your co-host, Jared Orr. She is the executive director of the Knoll Family Foundation, Ms. Kelly Knoll. Kelly, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Jared. Thank you. How are you? I'm excited. We're getting ready to do another episode. I always have fun when we get to come on here. And uh, today is no exception. Um, Kelly, since the start of Bradley's House, you've lined up so many amazing guests. Um, why don't you tell everybody who is today's amazing guest in Bradley's wow. House? I do feel very fortunate that we have so many great artists to draw from. And today is, of course, no exception. Today, we're talking with an artist from the East Coast that I've had the pleasure of meeting and seeing in concert. Very talented. And of course, uh, does a song on the house that Bradley built. Please welcome Brett Wilson. Brett, thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. You guys have such wonderful voices. <laughs> we're being all professional to start. We're trying to impress you so that you really think <laughs> we're, we're something cool here. But yeah, we're just... We're doing the best we can, you know, of course. Speak as for you yourself, know. Kelly. I do have a wonderful voice. Okay, Brad. So thank you. I accept that compliment. You guys okay, have good. good radio voices. You know? <laughs> oh, I also have a radio face, so I'm told. No. So that's how Untrue. I... Untrue. Untrue. You started. ever see the billboards of the people that you listen to on the radio, like <gasps> when you drive around and they look nothing yes. like what you thought they would look like? It's such a shock, isn't it? It's so uh, weird. That's what you would think, but I'm pretty sure those are hired billboard models. Because <laughs> so, I know what these disc jockeys look like in my head, and I'm not. That's not it. it. No, I'm not. Jared, 
Jared, I gotta ask, are you related to the famous hockey player? Uh, I am not related to Bobby Orr, but I have heard recently that he's been going around telling people he's related to me. <laughs> so, um, if his people can get in touch with me so we can clear this up. Oh, could, uh... <laughs> oh God, just when I think he can't surprise me anymore. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, Brett, I was super excited when Kelly said um, that we had you set up because I know we've talked about this for a while. Schedules have been crazy. Um, And when we finally were able to get you locked up because I – I am personally a fan. Now, we have a lot of amazing guests on here that I am fans of, and we have a lot of guests on here that maybe I wasn't super familiar with before we had them on. Um, But you are – Someone that popped up in my Facebook um, a couple years ago, and there was this little selfie of this guy, and it was a sponsored ad, and I stopped, and it said, hey, do you like Grateful Dead and the Sublime? Then you might want to check on my page, and I went, Grateful Dead and the Sublime? This guy's got a set of balls if he's going to – you don't – you don't pop up on my fucking feed and ask if I like the Grateful Dead and Sublime. You bet your ass I like the Grateful Dead and Sublime. Those are bands that I – and uh, so I hopped on, and then you had this awesome messenger queue set up that was just firing back with me, and uh, I was super impressed. Uh, and you have a sound that is just – unlike any other and um there's not a lot of people that i listen to that do uh, uh grateful dead songs and and give them the justice that they deserve but uh the way that you do it and the spirit that you do it in man it is just something that i've been digging for a long time and i've turned you on to a lot of people you you definitely turned me on with that wonderful voice you have <laughs> I love yeah, that. No, I, 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 trust me, I, I, I hear it all the time. Man. I hear it all the time. Well, you know, the next time we're together and we're at a festival, you can come over to the booth and uh, I'll tell you stories. You sit on my lap. We'll talk about the first thing that pops up. You're like Sa- Santa so Claus. Disturbing. Like you should whisper sweet nothings in my ear. Oh, my gosh. That is That's a terrible a image. This is, yeah, we need to change this course. <laughs> right now. Well, no, I really appreciate the, uh, the, the, uh, kind words there. And that, uh, that ad was, has, I thought it was like a fun ad, but it really, it did trigger a lot of people, like in terms of, uh, there's a lot of people that were like really stoked with it. And then there's yeah. like some internet trolls that get like very upset. Like if it's like polarizing, if, if they're <sighs> dead, deadheads and they don't like sublime, if they like sublime, they like the dead or maybe like, they're targeted because they like both the bands, but then they say something really like not cool about like the fact that both of those bands, um, you know, unfortunately had like substance issues and they'll say something nasty in the comments. So it's, it's very crazy. Like when you start to put yourself out there, like, and you're having fun with it, the way that mm. the internet people like Respond. go crazy with it. You know what I mean? Like there's people like you that absolutely love it. And then there's other people that are just like, who do you think you are trying to say? <laughs> it's just like, well, hey, man, in I'm all just... fairness, if it sucked, I would have been one of those trolls. Also, if you were no good, I would have been right back in those comments and been like, dude, are you fucking kidding me with these comparisons? Um, so you're a little you troll, a little troll in your little troll house and you would have come out, but you decided that you liked the music. So you didn't come out of your troll house. 
You Pretty you weren't much. worthy of the troll is what I'm saying. It was good enough that there was no troll necessary. <laughs> Whatever you had happened, your troll gloves on. Whatever happened to if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Oh man, that right? we need to go back go back to that. Or at least if you're gonna say something not nice, be funny about it. You know? If, funny right. okay, if, if, if you're joking about it, I can laugh about that. But when people get real angry, it's like, dude, I like I, Facebook stops us from reaching people organically, so we gotta do paid ads. I'm sorry it showed up in your feed, but like this is a free service. You're on here for free, like just 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 x out the box you don't have to watch it like you don't have to comment like just you know what i mean but they just there's something inside of them that's you know unfortunately they're probably unhappy with their life and they're just kind of taking it out on my 30 second ad <laughs> right <laughs> well that ad hit home so tell us i guess a little bit about how your your musical career got started and, and what your influences were well, really, uh, the roots of creation are, are, are very much tied into, uh, you know, where we are today and, and, uh, you know, the podcast we're on. Um, you know, when I first started out in the, in the, in the cold, uh, lovely, uh, four seasons of, of, of New England, uh, in New Hampshire, um, you know, I grew up, uh, skateboarding and snowboarding and, partying with my friends and, and jamming out on my guitar and you know that's kind of what I was into in junior high I kind of abandoned I was into sports you know growing up but then I kind of abandoned those for skateboarding and partying playing music and uh drawing and I was originally an, a visual artist before I got su super into playing music and uh my stepbrother gave me a a bag full of uh Hip hop cassettes that my mom and dad didn't know about that had the explicit lyric sticker on there. I don't, I'm dating myself, but that was a big <laughs> deal. Big deal back in the day. So he turned me on to hip hop, and my parents turned me on to like classic rock. They were they were showing me um, Led Zeppelin and the blues, and you know all this cool stuff. And and my dad uh, showed me my first bit of reggae. He was into Peter Tosh because he was really into the Rolling Stones, and they had had signed Peter Tosh, so. Um, you know, that's kind of like what my parents were showing me, but, um, in the skateboarding videos, there is, uh, you know, a lot of ska and, and punk rock at the time. Later on, they kind of delved into hip hop and, um, one of my friends had showed me, um, you know, after I'd gone to a reggae festival in Vermont, reggae was huge in Vermont and, and I was listening to all these different types of music and, uh, Somebody gave me a cassette copy of uh, 40 Ounces to Freedom. And a cassette I also, copy? Now you're dating yourself. Exactly. A cassette, <laughs> a cassette tape. And uh, I had been collecting uh, Grateful Dead bootlegs, and Fish was huge at the time in my high school. And, you know, I was starting to teach myself how to play guitar, going from, you know, metal and, you know, Black Sabbath and, you know, punk rock and heavier stuff to delve into like the lead guitar that was in Almond Brothers or Grateful Dead and Fish trying to learn how to improvise from listening to the tapes and playing campfires around, just having fun. And uh I got that cassette tape and I was like, holy shit, this is a band that, first of all, they covered Scarlet Begonias, but it had like a hip hop drum beat and uh it almost sounded exactly like the dead at the end with the jam. And then they're having influences 
from you know dance hall music that I was listening to, roots reggae, hip hop, punk rock, all the things that were part of my upbringing in skateboard culture uh, mm. were in this one band, and I was like, holy shit, this is I want my band to sound like this band. Like this is the best thing I've ever heard in my life. I was wow. like, but the but the only thing is, I wish they jammed out a little bit more. So it, when I first heard that, I was the, the only thing that I wished, you know, that I wanted to change was, okay, I'm from New Hampshire. I'm not going to talk about the California stuff. That's not my lifestyle. Like, so I want to talk about, you know, the stuff that I'm going through in my, my life. But like, ha- this sound is amazing because I was really into like Operation Ivy and Rancid and mm-hmm. all these bands that, you know, combine yeah. ska and and punk and punk in different styles. So that, but I was just like, cause I was so influenced by the jam jam stuff and the improvisation that was going on in the Northeast at the time. That was like a big focus and the festival scene. That was just kind of like my inspiration on like starting a band just for fun. And, uh, then later on as CDs progressed, I got a copy of the bad fish single. And this was before the box set. And there was a B side roots of creation demo. And I was like, that's Ah. gotta be the name. That's got to be the name of our band. That's got to be the name of our band. I was like, nobody will ever know because it was a cassette single from Newberry Comics. <laughs> nobody will ever know that it's a Sublime song because it's not on any albums. And so nobody knew for a really long time. But then, of course, the box set came out and then everybody oh. knew my secret. But, Damn you know, it. that's the, <laughs> that's the Some general of us story. Know <laughs> Some of us know. And, hey. Shout out to Miguel who uh, brought that Grateful Dead influence in and and forced Brad to go to a concert. And it's actually Miguel uh, singing Scarlet Begonias on Forty Ounces. So um, yeah, I always that wondered was... that because it sounded the vocal tone sounded a little bit different. Do, do you know yeah. if Bradley did the, uh, the Brad the, did the, the Brad did the freestyle, the little rap in the middle. Um, what about the but, harmonies? Did Miguel do the harmonies too? That's what. Yeah, I it's wondered. all. It's all Miguel. So uh, Brad just said that he liked the way Miguel sung it better. Uh, so on the on the forty ounce copy, it's it's Migs uh, singing the whole song. It's just Brad takes in at the it was a summer of love, and he does the little. But it's yeah. uh, it's Miguel. And I loved I loved that part because even though I had hadn't made it to a dead concert just because uh, of my age, I just turned the big four zero. So like there was Happy only birthday. one chance to <laughs> one chance to see the dead and that was like Vermont Highgate and like and then Jerry passed so but I've seen every almost every incarnation since but that rap really encapsulated the hippie scene that was going on in the northeast with the festival culture and the fish shows and I could just the, the lyrical imagery of it just I just thought was fucking badass yeah, it was supposed to just be a guitar solo, but you know, Brad can't help himself. So, <laughs> it's so true. So, when did you start Roots of Creation? So, I started it for fun. Um, I would say somewhere around my senior year of high school. So, I'd say oh, wow. 1999 to 2000, just for fun. And then just a party band, not really doing anything, maybe do a little, little local show. Um, I was really, I was going to school, uh, Franklin Pierce University in New Hampshire, uh, and pursuing like a visual arts degree. So I was thinking, uh, you know, music was my fun thing, you know, my hobby and, and, and I was going to be like a visual artist. So I was into printmaking and 
abstract mm -hmm. art and uh you know figure painting female form you know um psychedelic art stuff like that so do you still do I, visual art i do a little bit I've, i it's funny it, that's turned photography and art have turned into my hobbies and music has turned to my career so it's kind of a weird kind of kind of thing yeah. um and i just recently started kind of past couple months delving into like nfts and digital art and collecting those mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that so like i really love art and i've always loved collaborating with artists for our merchandise and our posters and it's just been you know it's it's been a fun thing but i guess around you know 2004 or so i was about to graduate from college um and i realized that you know, when we started to move from the party scene in college to the venues, the first couple shows sold out and I started to see, you know, people, you know, you know, I'm a young, young man, girls dancing on tables, going crazy. And I'm like this quiet, <laughs> quiet reserved, you know, visual artist. And I'm like, wait a second, nobody, there's no girls dancing, going crazy to my paintings on the wall. Like, this is way cooler than being a visual artist. Like, yeah, I sold a couple prints, but I mean, this is, this is way more exciting. Uh, That's where it's at. So then I started to say, wait a second, you know, we did, we, we just went from playing parties to venues and they sold out the first time we played, like we could be onto something. So, you know, around 2004, we recorded just our first album, didn't really do too much with it. And then around 2005, 2006 is when we said somebody told us at the studio they're like if you guys want to make it you got to buy a van live mm. in a house together and just do it so we got a I interned at a booking agency and we made our second album and we just hit the road for 150 days a year and wow. lived and breathed music and that's kind of when that's really when like we were actually like a real band not just like a a party band that played locally or just, you know, having fun with it where we were like, okay, this is, let's do this for real. Yeah. Start getting serious about it. Mm -hmm. Now, what are some of the challenges that you've endured along the way? I mean, 15 years, that's a, that's a good long time to be playing with people and it's not always as fun and games and as easy as people think. Yeah, I would, man, I've probably encountered all of the challenges oh. <laughs> that, that I, anybody's faced you know mm. um i i look at some of my idols and when when i get to meet them i i it it puts me back on the earth you know mm -hmm. you look up tight you look up to them and then you notice they've gone through most of the same challenges as you you know yeah. um so yeah like you said it it is difficult I, I mean the most rewarding thing that keeps me going is you know people singing the songs with me oh. whether it's whether it's me you know playing an acoustic show and I'll do a, a, a sublime tribute set or a dead tribute set. And people are singing the words, the songs that I grew up listening to or playing around mm. campfire, or, yeah. you know, I go to a random place in the country and they're singing songs that I, that I wrote, you know, that's, I love that. I love when we're jamming on stage and people are lost in the moment with us. And we're kind of like one big entity, but you know, there are, it does come with its, its challenges. I mean, you know, the travel's difficult on your body, um, yeah. you know, b being away from your family. I have two amazing daughters and uh, a four-year-old <laughs> and a nine-year-old. And uh, You do. You know, They're so adorable. I've seen pictures and they are ridiculously oh, thank you. cute. 
yeah, I love them so much. They're, they're awesome. But you know, that's its own set of challenges is like, you know, um, you know, I've, I've kind of, I've kind of been, I've kind of been through it all. You know what I mean? I was, yeah. I was married. I'm not married anymore because the lifestyle's difficult in terms Very, of, you I'm know, sure. keeping, keeping a partner and stuff. And, you yeah. know, uh, I'm blessed to have, uh, gotten, you know, 50 and equal custody agree- agreement, which, you know, I'm, I'm very happy about. Um, but that does set its own challenges in terms of like me as a 40 year old with, with two children. It's how do right. I figure it out? So before the call, I was like, you know, we're figuring, figuring out flights so that, you know, I'm with them during the week during school that we fly out. We're going to Florida. We're going to California, fly back, be a dad, you know, so it's just mm. really a, a balancing act, you know, um, figuring out like what's important. And, um, you know, three years ago, I, I quit drinking alcohol maybe four years ago. I can't really remember when, but Good for you know, you. It, thank you. It was, it was free everywhere we went. So that was, right. I didn't realize how much of a challenge it was in my life, but you know, it was just fun. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't drink when I wasn't playing music really. Um, but you know, you, you drink a couple of beers. I, I get liquid courage. As I mentioned, I'm kind of like a homebody kind of reserved artist musician guy but you know then you go out there you got to entertain a couple thousand people you're having fun have yeah. a couple drinks get that liquid courage um and then fans are like stoked so they want to do a couple shots of tequila that was fun but then you know waking up with a hangover and then driving eight hours to the next show is not really that fun oh so. gosh <laughs> and it must be difficult too there's there's such a difference between a musician and a performer like a right. lot of people are great musicians, but being able to translate that to a performance on stage, especially as, you know, the, the front man of a band, that's, that's challenging. Yeah. I, I love it now, but that was not, you know, I love the reactions like I was talking about, but mm. like you said, it's, it's not a natural state of being, um, you, you kind of have to transform yourself into, um, not a character, but like, a something bigger than yourself, but you you know, like you said, a performer. So you have to, you know, otherwise there, the other approach would be to do kind of like what some of the jam bands do. And they have like a giant light show with, you know, 125 lights and they aren't really the performance. It's all about the music and the lights and the LED, LED screens because they aren't, really natural performance <gasps> you just in, gave in away their sense. secret <laughs> i did i did i did <laughs> now every time i go to a show and see a big light show i'm gonna be like, oh they're not performers <laughs> right they're not a front man like you know <laughs> like with slightly Hard. stupid or yeah you know pepper the bands where the gra- guy grabs the mic and they're getting the crowd amped up and they're clapping their hands and all that you know yeah those it's tough those to are, do those are things I learned from playing little shitty bars where nobody's paying attention, where you have to be mm. like, okay, I got to step it up here because I want people to, you know, be a part of this here. Right. And that's the trial by fire. I mean, you've got to figure it out as you go. And that's, I think that's really where the, the true performance ship or the showmanship really is developed is during those times when no one could give a shit about what you're doing on stage. Exactly, exactly. Without that, um, you don't have your, uh, what did they say? They say you got to put 10,000 hours in or something like that to become oh. uh, a master of your craft. So, right. you know, the Beatles did that 
in the pubs. I, I had no idea, but you, you, I love reading musicians biographies and yes. you start to go in there and you're like, wait, I didn't know Tom Petty, like, you know, put 10,000 hours into the bar band stuff. I didn't know, you know, Bruce Springsteen did that. And you go back and you see that all these bands kind of did the same thing that you did. They just never gave up and then eventually mm. transitioned into, to, uh, doing it for real. Yeah, that's so true. And I think we see a lot of that now with like social media. People tend to just assume that things are so much easier for everyone else and, you know, so much easier for this band and so much easier for this artist. But I really do think to make it, you've got to just be willing to put in the time, put in the hours and put in the work. A hundred percent. And, you know, it, it is tough though. You know, some, I'm, I'm, I'm victim of it myself. Sometimes like I, I hit the Instagram button and I'm like, God damn it. I'm here in cold New England and my friends killing it in Florida right now. Mm. And, you know, I wish I was there and you get that FOMO going on. And you gotta, you gotta check yourself and go, Hey, he's worked his ass off to get this. Yeah. Be I have wonder, wonderful children. You have to be happy for them. You have to, yeah. you know, not be a selfish human being and understand that, you know, this is just the highlight reel and yeah. it's not, it's not showing the, the, the pop tire and the missed flights and right. the, the empty bar rooms that they played over the past uh, three, three years to get to that moment. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. You can't have one without the other. Now, over the past 15 years, has there been a lot of turnover in the band? Yeah, there's been quite a bit. I've been lucky to have our keyboardist by my side pretty much since the beginning um, nice. of like that 2006, two, 2005, 2006 era. Mm -hmm. um, but man, we're kind of like spinal tap with our bass players. We, <laughs> I don't even know how many we've been through, but it's like, it's, it's probably like eight of them, but we finally have like wow. a really amazing uh, lineup that we're super happy about. Um, Alex on the drums started as the percussion player during our Grateful Dub album, and um, mm. he also plays drums for Big D and the Kids Table. Oh, wow. uh, re really great uh, ska rock band, yeah, out of Boston. And um, you know they put a new record out, but they don't. They're kind of like a, I don't know how old they are, but they're they're like a little bit older than us, I think. And like they don't tour a super ton, so we're lucky to be able to share him with with them. Mm. Um, and uh our bass player used to be the 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 lead guitarist and the band leader of this band Fear Nothing Band which was an amazing oh, band. Oh, I love them. Oh, they're Saw they're them phenomenal. A few times. Yes. Phenomenal. Like I I I see them as something like of the fishbone of the northeast where every musician like loves the band. Uh those of you who haven't listened to them they Ugh. before they they mix uh, heavy metal with dancehall reggae and it's just So great. It's 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 so cool so original and uh mm -hmm. they're just kind of ahead of their time um and they did well but they just kind of never they they had these ups and downs of winning a contest getting a record deal and just you know he settled into the fact that like he had enough of being the front man and he wanted to play bass and just like be a musician and not have to be the leader yeah <laughs> so, all the stress it, i'm sure it, it's nice to have somebody in the band that's done your job before so that he mm. wants to know what we call him the congressman because <laughs> congressman because he's always like well you know what i think is you know and it's like <laughs> so he's diplomatic like, yes yeah, diplomatic and reasonable 
<laughs> so nice. you gotta I mean, have one of those in the band at least huh <laughs> exactly yes he's very logical and our sax player he's been with us man i i think he he's been with us for geez i'd want to say over 10 years at this point and uh wow. he plays keyboards he does uh um harmony vocals he writes music it's really cool like almost everybody in the band is a a music producer as well so Oh, there's a wow. there's a lot of um, creativity outside of the band, inside of the band. So I'm really happy with kind of where we're at in terms of uh, who we have on board. And, you know, sometimes people like our trombone player went off to uh, Billy Cottage. He was with us for a while with Andrew as a horn section. And um, he joined. Uh, uh, what band was it? Oh, God damn it. I can't remember right now. But he joined this uh, great ska band and then moved up to another band. And then he was in real big fish for a long time. And oh. now he's, he's in, 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 in the interrupters, but you know, oh. when he comes home, when he comes home, he'll, uh, you know, jam with us and do studio stuff. So we're at this point in time, I see us as like a core group with like almost like a collective around us of, you know, Andy from slightly stupid. He does our, our trumpet parts on the albums, like mm. Dela from stupid's coming to jam with us on Sunday. So, I like to see us as kind of like a collective at this point, you know, on top of our core core group, if that makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Now, talk to me a little bit about the uh, about the Grateful Dead album that you guys sure. did. You, you just mentioned it. It's uh, it's something that I absolutely love. Um, I don't know how many plays it has on YouTube, but a lot of them are me, brother. <laughs> right now. <laughs> that's awesome that's amazing there, it's confession time <laughs> yeah, these I'm are my confessions i'm little putting usher. it out there now, now we, we yeah little a little usher i like that um i don't know if it's i don't know if it fits the motif of the uh, of the grateful dub but um i i like what you did there now we we had we had spoken a little bit um not that long ago and um i had i had specifically requested that you guys get a, a version of tennessee jed going how are we looking on that brett did you request it on the live stream and did i bust it out or was that somebody else no you busted it out on a on a live stream oh, okay uh, cool not that long ago, but this was in in Messenger. You said, you know, what are you what are you thinking about? And I said, I would love to hear you guys do a Tennessee Jed. You said, we're actually, I forget. I think maybe you said one of your horn players or somebody had just brought it up, and you were just starting to work on it. And I just, where are we at with this, man? <laughs> <laughs> You're lobbying hard. You're lobbying hard. You Very got, you got subtle. That professional. He's yeah. Like, He's like, oh, do you, if you could just go ahead and move your desk downstairs and learn Tennessee Jed, that'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah, I love that movie. One of my favorites. That'd be great. Uh, that's definitely oh, a strong definitely contender. Strong. We're trying to figure out how how we fairly decide what songs are going to be on uh, Volume 2. Because we just got the green light from Errol Brown, who produced Volume 1. And uh, those of you who are listening that don't know about Errol Brown, he was Bob Marley's engineer um, on the road, and he mixed uh, the last three Bob Marley albums that were put out, and he co-produced or produced, I believe, the last one that came out. And he is just a phenomenal human being. Um, 
I don't know how old he is at this point in time, but he is definitely an elder and what came from like the beginning of reggae music and is an amazing sound engineer and human being. And he said he wants to be involved in volume two. So we have that on board. Um, and I think right now we're just trying to figure out, um, are we, are we going to get a bank loan again? Are we going to, uh, you know, are we going to find a financial partner? Um, we just launched a Patreon the other day that I haven't really told anybody about. Um, just kind of told some close friends. That's going to be an aspect of us trying to release music every month. But uh, that's the long answer to your question. The short answer on Tennessee Jet is I get I give it a seventy five percent right now, a strong seventy five percent to be on the record. I know people want us to put some more uh, Phil Lesh or uh, Bob Weir tunes on there because we went all Hunter wow. Garcia last time, but. Those are the easiest ones to translate into the reggae rock genre. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I get it. I so I I love the Grateful Dead. Um, I, I love every version of them. I've seen Rat Dog. I've seen Phil and Friends. I've seen The Dead. I've seen everything but Jerry. Um, Me and, too. I've seen everything but Jerry, and I have and I'll not tell seen you, Dead and Company. And I'll tell you right now. Um, that the number one, the, the man that should be standing in front for that band is Warren Haynes, not Bob Weir. Don't at me, people. I don't care. Warren Haynes <laughs> should be the new Jerry. He's the hardest working man in, in rock and roll. Dude, is he ever, man? Is he ever? So I'm a big jam band guy. Um, and I will always go out and say that, um, and boy, I've, I've, I've almost been in legitimate bar fights with elderly gentlemen when I tell them that the last rendition of the Almond Brothers was the very best rendition of the Almond Brothers in their entire run. Um, but I don't care. Dickie Betts and Dwayne, Derek Trucks, Warren Haynes, and O'Teal on stage at the same time is the best version of the Almond Brothers and maybe the very best jam band that's ever traveled. You know what? I got to witness them a couple of times and I actually got to work the stage uh, as a stagehand for Warren Haynes Christmas Jam, um, who are our, our, our engineer, uh, Pete Peliquin, who's done all of our albums. Um, he actually, I believe he did the audio and the video for that. Um, I was cable wrangling on the stage and I was so tired after three days, um, of cable wrangling, not even partying, just like cable wrangling and working and not sleeping of doing stage hand stuff and video stuff that I fell asleep on stage cable wrangling in between the two drummers of that band that you're talking about. Like, cause I was so exhausted through the thunderous, thunderous slamming of two drums. But they were amazing, and they were such humble human beings. I mean, I talked to Warren after the show, um, and I talked to um, – who else did I talk to? Uh, who was the guitar player that you just mentioned? I'm having Derek a Derek Trucks. Yeah, Derek Trucks. I talked to him about how he plays with no pick and just his fingers which I think is uh, awesome because I like to do that sometimes, but I cannot do it anywhere close to what he does. He he just makes the guitar like cry. He might, be the, he might be the best doing it right now. I don't know if there's any better guitar player than Derek Trucks. There's so much soul right and, and pain and passion in, in the notes he hits. It's, it's 
but they're just such good people too. When I was talking to them, they're just, they were so down to earth, so thankful, you know, they didn't know I was a musician. They were, I was just, you know, working, you know what I mean? Just like, and, uh, they signed my pass. They were nice. We talked about it. O'Teal has sat in with us before, um, in Massachusetts at Wormtown Festival. He did Sugary with us and he did this crazy, like eight minute bass, uh, scatting solo and he's a great human being so i don't know i might agree with you man i i mean yeah. i like old almond brothers it's it's great and stuff but I, I i do feel like the 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 last installment was like a super group you know it re it really was and sugary is just such a great reason to love the grateful dead and jerry garcia and it, i just i love that song so much it's maybe one of my favorite dead songs and he's just like hey Listen, I do love you, but when they come around and they ask about me, you bitch, you better say you don't know me. All right. <laughs> like, I got a wife and kids, and I just, you, I was not here. It's the, it's the, it's the Mary Magdalene jam, jam band song. There is. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, so, what, what made you. What made you guys want to put that album together with with all of those dead songs, but with your very own unique twist to them? Man, I think there was uh, quite a bit of factors, but if, if I was to, to succinctly put them together, um, one would be um, there was a, a Reggae Dead tribute album that came out a long, long time ago that I was so excited to get on CD. Uh, it was called Fire in the Mountain. It had Black Uhuru and all these, uh, you know, Jamaican artists on there. I was so stoked to listen to it, and I bought it. And it was, in my opinion, so bad. Um, and it was just, it had no elements of the Grateful Dead. It was just all, just to me, very cheesy '80s, '90s production, fake horns. Um, I didn't feel like the artists really had. Other than Burning Spear, I really like Burning Spear's version. And I've gone back and listened to it, and it wasn't as bad as I remembered. But it, as a high school uh, musician, it was it was just very disappointing. I was so excited to listen to it. This is pre-internet. So, you know, I didn't get to sample it. I went and bought it, you know, and on the pretense of what it was. And I was so disappointed, and, and I was like, man. I really wish I could have produced this or, or, or done a version of this because I really have a vision. And I really think that, that, that the sublime Scarlet Begonias was so much more on par of what the reggae album should have sounded like rather than this really cheesy production value of it. The singing was good, Steel Pulse, uh, Burning Spear and stuff. But again, they also kind of changed some of the, the melodies which I don't know if they did that because they wanted to or because they were unfamiliar with the material or were just hired to do the, the album. Um, so I don't know the ins and outs of it. I've researched it a little bit, but there's not a lot on the internet. They did a volume two as well. So those were kind of the beginning seeds. You know, it was part, you know, Sublime's version and then hearing an attempt at a tribute album that I didn't like. And that was, I was like, man, that would, and, and then I kind of forgot about it. And, over the years, we played a couple songs, dead songs, and we started playing this festival in New Hampshire called Jerry Jam um, oh, that this guy, Dan Webb, um, started. And it first started after Jerry died. He started to play um, Grateful Dead uh, movies at his house, and he had barn parties. And, and then the next year, he had a band. And 
it just organically grew um, over the years. And then, you know, maybe after about, geez, I don't know, um, 15 years or so or 10 years or so, it turned into a festival and sold out. And then it got bigger and bigger. And it got to the point where he was ready to hire like a couple, you know, not local bands or bigger bands like us. And so we played that, but we weren't playing a lot of dead material. Um, we had uh, learned one song uh, that we put on Living Free, our album Living Free, uh, Row Jimmy, just because we thought that that would be a cool thing to throw into our set for, for the Jerry Jam stuff. And uh, then he invited us to do a Halloween show. And we thought, well, if Fish does musical costumes, what if we do a musical costume and we do an entire set of the dead? So we did that and everybody loved it. Um, and then we kept playing Jerry Jam and Melvin Seals, Jerry Garcia's organist from his solo band, started jamming with us there. And Dan was so gracious as to pay him a little extra and facilitate the friendship between Melvin and us. And that just kind of organically went into the fact that the guys in the band were like, man, we really should do a whole album of this. And if we don't do it, somebody else is going to do it. What if the Easy Star All-Stars do it? We should, we got to do this shit. So then the fans got together and they helped, uh, you know, fund the record. Uh, we did a crowdfunding campaign. I took a bank loan out and uh, we hired Errol, uh, who we met through this um, radio show, Big Reggae Mix. And uh, we just kind of put it all together organically. And then John Phillips from Silverback Music got involved because he and I kind of bonded off uh, playing guitar and jamming out in Costa Rica and Closer to the Sun on the dead and uh he really helped take it to the next level and getting some special guests and telling me whether stuff sounded good or not and um between him and errol uh Stephen marley heard what we were doing with fire in the mountain and he heard ganja farmer marlon asher on there and he was like man i want to be on this and he did it just for the love of it and for an artist of that magnitude to do that and say hey you know I'll be on this track, but you got to come play my festival and just kind of do a barter with us was just like, holy shit, like this is going to be a, a big record for us. Um, and really shows how great of a human being and artist, you know, Steven is, um, carrying on his dad's legacy and to have him be on a track that was, uh, produced by his dad's, uh, engineer. So I don't know, man, it was just an amazing process to be honest, it's magical. Yeah. It's a, it's a great album. It really captures those songs. And I know exactly what you, what you feel like. I could feel when you said that, I know how you felt because uh, about 16 years ago, a compilation album came out from my favorite band and I thought it was the drizzling shits. Um, so it's uh, <laughs> such a descriptive term. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't. Wow, I wasn't that. I that wasn't a fan of a of a punk band, the Drizzling. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great punk band. Oh my god. Um, but Sorry, so I, Jared, I, know, I didn't mean to take away your steam there. Go no, ahead. no, it's it's okay. The, trust me. So, the Drizzling Shits new album, Taco Bell. <laughs> I love it. I, th I think you're. I think you're onto something here. You're. You're the marketing guru here, Brett. So, um, 
I do have to say, if anyone knows how to market, it is definitely Brett. You are so good about always like getting on social media and getting the word out. And while we're on the topic, thank you so much for all that you do for the Knoll Family Foundation. You are constantly doing live streams like on Brad's birthday and, you know, just things to promote the foundation. And of course, doing that song with your creation for the house that Bradley built. We appreciate your support so much, Brett. Well, you're, you're so welcome. I, I just, I like being involved with, with, uh, nonprofits. I always have, I feel like it's kind of integral to, uh, to music makes you feel good and reminds, reminds you of why, why I did it at least in the first place, which is to make people feel good, but also to kind of make the world a better place. So, but it's also something I, you know, your guys' mission, I really identify with when I was younger, my dad was always telling me, you know, people can do whatever they want to do. You know, we should, uh, you know, treat, you know, drugs like, you know, if somebody has a problem with them, like a disease, like, like an addiction, a disease, and we shouldn't, you know, throw people in jail. We should, you know, in his opinion, we should legalize drugs. And if people have a problem with them, we should, you know, treat them as, you know, as human beings, not throwing them into the justice system. And, you know, just, he, he had a different right. c- concept of things, um, you know, which I wrote a lot of papers in high school and college with. So I've just always been a proponent of, you know, helping people that are struggling with stuff like that. And, and, uh, I just, I believe in your guys' mission. And at the same time, on a personal level, how could I not give back to, uh, what inspired me to start my band in the mm. first place. That would be uh, idiotic. <laughs> mm. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. It means a lot. You're so welcome. Absolutely. The support is, uh, is always help from you on your page. And, and like Kelly said, with all the live streams. Um, all right, Brad. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. And oh, ask Jesus. you, and, and, yeah, get ready for this one. And, um, <laughs> I've, I've, I have I've, no I've idea what's going to happen now. No, 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 it's not that bad. But I, I've asked you, I've asked you about this a few times, and a few times you've had the same answer. Uh, okay. Why does the song "Standing on the Moon" make you cry? Uh, man. I don't remember what I told you last time. <laughs> you, just said, I, I, you, you, you just said it was a super emotional song for you to play. Uh, the the real reason? Um, uh, there's a couple reasons, but I'd say one of the main reasons is it reminds me of the fact uh, that my musical hero, Jared Garcia, is dead. I had a chance to go see him. My my friend and I were playing punk rock in the basement and metal fucking around before I even started Roots of Creation. We were writing songs, having a good time. And she was like, Hey, do you want to go to Highgate this weekend to see the Grateful Dead in Vermont? And we, and we looked at each other. We were like, we liked them a little bit, just not a lot. Like I was just starting to get into them. We were like, no, nah, we'll catch them next year. Like we're good. And then we went back into the basement and we played music all weekend, which was fun. But then he died after that. So oh like, gosh! Like I, it's, I, I turned down the opportunity, uh, and I think about the countless hours, uh, 
and just crying, like listening to the the tapes, like playing guitar, like God damn it, like I really, I just love his playing and his. Um, a lot of people equate it to like a Buddha like presence. He didn't want to be the leader. He he just wanted to, you know, play music and connect with people. He just loved playing guitar and. I just like the eloquency of his playing. It's very understated and, and not in your face. Um, and uh, so I think of him when I'm playing it. Um, but I also think, you know, sometimes uh, of my friends in California, um, like John Phillips, I have, like I have a lot of friends in California, but specifically him, who I worked really hard with on the project. Um, and you know, it's hard being like the lonely East Coast band in the cold Northeast, and you're thinking of your friends on in California that you want to hang out with and and jam with on guitar and stuff. So sometimes it brings me to that place. You know, it, it brings me to different places, but I, I, something about the lyrics. Um, they're just, I don't know, they just, they just hit me. That and Black Muddy River are two very difficult songs for me to play. They remind me of death and loss and, um, you know, they're talking about what a lovely view of heaven, but I'd rather be with you. I mean, that's, it, that, it's, 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 uh, I don't know, it's, it's deep shit, man. <laughs> Well, it's just, it's crazy because when, when I looked at the lineup on that CD, it's like every song that I would have picked, it, like there's not, I, I don't think you missed one, uh, on there. And Standing on the Moon is right up there with my favorite dead songs. And I, it's the lyrics. It's how, it's exactly what you said. It's so not in your face. Jerry's voice is just amazing in it. Um, and, uh, so like when I saw it, I was like, wow, it, it, it wasn't one that I would expect somebody to cover. Like if somebody was going to put together a list of some dead songs, I, I don't think that that's one that most people would pick. So when I saw that you, that it was one that you guys did, I was like, wow. Yeah, that was a particularly difficult one in the studio. Uh, but one of the most magical moments, um, we were playing it. And because Errol had recorded redemption song with Bob Marley, which is just, that fuck every time I think about that, it just fucking blows my mind that he was in the studio uh, when that was being recorded. But uh, Bob was having a difficult time having the band uh, play along with him. I don't know if you've heard the version, but they released post. Uh, I, I don't know how you I fucking say it posthumously or uh, I don't know the correct correct uh, posthumously. Posthumously, exactly. Thank you, English <laughs> <You're> teacher. <welcome>. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they released it later and it's not not as good as the solo acoustic version. And and uh, Errol said that he and the guy from Island Records were like, Bob, stop struggling over the song. Let's just do it with an acoustic. And, and it sounds good that way. So that they mic'd up the acoustic and that's history. And that kind of happened with this song. Like we were trying to do it with the band and it was, was not working. And we actually deleted the band off of the song and and undeleted them at the end of the song um, to kind of do something not exactly like Redemption Song, but he basically 
recommended that when we were struggling with it, that we treat it like Redemption Song. And both songs are in the same key and are, they have some similarities in, uh, chord structure and, and, and melody in a sense. Um, and they're both very, uh, prophetic songs. I feel like when Jerry was singing that, you know, was he thinking about his impending death? Uh, I don't know. Um, so that was kind of a crazy moment to have somebody be like, well, I was there through with Redemption song and we, let's just do it acoustic and then throw the band in later, you know, like, you know, I don't know. It's pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah, I would say. All right. So you've heard Brad do Brad and Miguel and the band do Scarlet Begonias. Yeah. If you would have an opportunity to hear Jerry and the Dead cover a Sublime song, what would you like to hear him do? Ooh, good questions. Wow. It's like he's been preparing for months with this. <laughs> Maybe that's why it took so long. <laughs> Each day he's like, what are the most ready? intense questions I can ask? <laughs> it's good. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, man. Sublime song currently. I did not know Foolish Fool was a D.D. Warwick song. I don't know <laughs> right. Dion Warwick. Oh, Dion Warwick. Oh, okay, cool. So currently that is probably my favorite sublime song to sing. Um, that may be one that I would like to hear the dead do. I really, really, really like that song. Um, but I don't know if that's the correct answer to this, this question. There's no, there's no, there's no wrong answer. You know, I, uh, through the catalog, there's not a lot that transfers into how Jerry w would play, but uh, I wouldn't. But I feel mind. like it could be like really. I wouldn't mind hearing like Jerry. I wouldn't mind hearing Jerry do a little acoustic freeway of his own, uh, his own version of it. Um, there's some, there's some stuff. I, I think about this often. So as another, but can you hear flash, like a like foolish, foolish? You know what I mean? Oh, like, I definitely like, could. A hundred percent. I could hear Jerry doing that. Um, and it would be awesome because it would be 17 minutes long. <laughs> so like, you, like when you, I play it with the band. <laughs> yeah. So you really get to, you'd really get to enjoy it. I, yeah, could, hear, I, I could hear bad fish. I could hear a bad fish. Uh, I could hear bad fish as a dead song. Honestly, I, I think I think the real answer is I, I could hear the entire dead and Jerry fronting Santeria, but I think that that's just like kind of a layup. Like I think that's an easy one, but um, the 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 harmonies. I was trying, to, there, sk I was trying to skip the the hits, but right, but I totally right. agree with you. But but Santeria is a I mean God it's a hit for anybody, but I, I could definitely hear the dead doing like a 26 minute long Santeria and it just being badass. You know what they could also do is uh, uh, when I play with, with Badfish, when wherever we tour with Badfish, they bring me up for pawn shop and we do Ooh. like a 12 minute pawn shop, like jam, like super jam. Um, yes. Goes heard that. Out crazy. Yeah. That was super fun. Where, where, yes. where was that Riverside? That we Riverside. Yes. Oh yeah. my gosh. What a good memory you have, Brett. Yep. That was it. Only because that was like an epic show for so many reasons. It was uh, awesome. And like, 
it, that's a super fun song to jam out on. So I could I could hear like the eleven, the eleven going into pawn shop or something like or, or pawn shop into dark star because of the where we take it on stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, have you uh, slightly stupid does a pretty badass Franklin's Tower. I don't know if you've caught it live ever, but uh, it's it's a pretty impressive version. I think it's amazing, uh, and I actually got to join them for that at Closer to the Sun in Mexico, which was fucking awesome. That was wow. very yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, they did it. Uh, they did it in Bobby's studio too, um, and it, it might be one of my favorite studio versions of that uh, of that song ever. Uh, and I'm not a huge Bobby fan. Um, I know that that's not popular amongst the dead community, but, uh, I, I mean, I love Bob Weir for what he is, but I just hate him in the front of the stage. I, you know, I really love his rhythm, rhythm playing like in the dead. Like I, there's a lot of parts where I, I didn't know it was him playing like that part on China cat. Um, the up high part. I thought that was Jerry's part, but then when you watch the videos, it's him going the, thing uh, yeah. a lot of amazing things he did i i think that it, it's hard to have somebody who was like you know this amazing complimentary part to a lead person then transition roles i think a lot of people like the role that he transitioned to but like i totally respect you know what what you're saying like it it's not for you for sure yeah, I I love him, but he's just not, you know, he 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 moved up front pretty quick and, you know, he's kind of a he's kind of a side left guy to me. Um <laughs> you got <laughs> What am I? Am I am I am I rear middle or No, dude, you're you're up front. You're rocking it. You're you're the guy. You know what I mean? But like <laughs> just know, like it, ba- baseball <laughs> like He's more of an outfielder, kind of like. Yeah, he's a designated hitter. It's nice to have him in there, but he ain't he ain't hitting in the slot. I'm telling you right now. Um, so you've got two daughters. You said nine and four. Um, yep. have they been introduced to the uh, to the Jerry Garcia kids, not for kids only tape. No, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna to send that to my daughter right now. Dude, it, I'll tell you right now, for anybody who's I listening, if you album. have kids, there is the greatest rendition of Teddy, Teddy Bear's Picnic that you'll ever hear in your life. Um, I, it, it puts me to sleep. I can't make it to the whole end. It's that Jerry's voice is that, that solid through it. But yeah, um, that was, uh, that was one that I couldn't wait to get into rotation when I had kids and I, I had the CD for years before that. So, um, that was one that they certainly, they certainly enjoy. And I still play the teddy bears picnic for them, uh, to this day. So how old are uh, your kids? Uh, you know, they're some ages. <laughs> he doesn't know. Oh, you no, sound young. Yeah. I've got a I've got a four year old, I've got a nine year old, I've got a thirteen year old, and I raised a stepdaughter who's about my age. So um And how old are you again? I'm thirty eight. Oh, you're younger than I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a yeah. baby. Yes. Um, so, but I have a nine year old and a four year old too, but the 13 year old was the one that really, that was my first one. And I was just like, you're going to listen to this CD always. Uh, and we did. And he, <laughs> no and he pressure. loved it. 
Yeah, he loved it. And then I tried to transition him into like some of the Jerry Garcia bluegrass stuff and like some of the pizza tapes and stuff. Uh, he didn't take to that as well. So Shady Grove, Shady Grove, I love. Um, that was a that was a big one for me growing up. Um, how about you, Kelly? Do you have any kids? I do. I have two boys, twenty three, and one that just turned nineteen last week. There's nothing so, boy about these gigantically tall, gigantic men that she has raised. They're large. They're large men. <laughs> they're both. They're like six four and six two. I think they're yeah. They're they're large children, but they're awesome. They're really really awesome boys. But I'm a lot awesome. older than you guys. I'm I'm fifty one. So yeah, but they're great. Well, and you, then you, sa- you and sound younger than that. Oh, thank you, Brett. You're my new best friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's always nice until somebody asks if that's if you're Brad's mom at the at the booth. And yeah, yeah, that doesn't <laughs> go over too well. Are you Brad's mom? <laughs> I swear, I get that question every now and then, and I'm two and a half years younger than Brad. But you know, I always say he gets to be 28 forever. And I had to keep aging, so whatever, fuck him. So I think I think we might we yeah. might as well just we might as well just tell the story because it's so enjoyable to me. Is that the last time oh. a guy says, "Is that is that Brad's mom?" And I just went, because oh. I knew. And his wife grabbed his arm and went, "Did you hear him just sigh? We should get out of here." And then <laughs> and they scurried off from the. So if you guys don't, you gotta put up a you gotta put up a sign if it's that bad. I am not Brad's mom. (laughs) I feel like I shouldn't have to wear a shirt that says "Not Brad's mom," right? (laughs) And on the back it says "His fucking sister." Well, I mean, you know, no offense, his little sister on top of it. Our mom just turned seventy-eight yesterday, and I might not look super great for my age, but I'm pretty sure I don't look seventy-eight. So whatever. Right. Was it the Riverside show? She and and your dad were like sitting on a couch on the stage. That was my my stepmom and dad. Oh, your stepmom. Actually, it was the Anaheim show. It was the Anaheim show. It was the Anaheim show. show. Okay, cool. Yeah. And how old's your stepmom? She's she's about what did she just turn and I forgot, but she's about four years older than my dad. Yeah, I shouldn't say how old she is, but forty. She's similar in age to my my mom and dad, but minus about four years. <laughs> is that is that tactful enough? I feel like I, <laughs> I can't do the math. Age, I can't do the math. Yeah, my brain I hurts. Can my age, all I want, but I feel like it's not really fair to out another woman on her age if she doesn't want to. But yeah, but no, that's, that's who fair. Was, they totally were the Anaheim fair. show. <laughs> that was fun watching them on the couch. Yeah, they were so stoked to be there. They loved it. It was a great show. So, Brett, what do you have coming up for shows right now? We know that the spring, the summer, today's the first day of spring as we're recording this. Is that Is, is that it really? I, I'm pretty sure today's the first day of spring. Kelly wouldn't know because she fucking lives in Southern California. So every day <laughs> is spring and then sometimes it's kind of summer. Uh, but for those of us who live in the Northeast, um, today is today I'm pretty sure is the first day of spring. I guess. It was like 75 degrees here. I don't know. It's hard to tell one season from the next. Every day you is 75 degrees. You all hate me now, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every day is 75 degrees there. My um, favorite um, 
my favorite temperature, because since I'm a ginger and very fair skinned, is uh, you are. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a ghost. Yeah. Uh, a vampire is uh around like five o'clock. I remember being in San Francisco for the first time. Five o'clock in San Francisco, the sun was going down. I was skateboarding. And it was like not hot and it wasn't cold. It was just like this nice little warm temperature. The sun wasn't burning me and I was just like feeling the breeze. It was, it was great. And I, that's my favorite temperature. I don't know what temperature yeah. that is, but. <laughs> well, whatever that was was perfect. <laughs> whatever it well, was was perfect. <laughs> I, I am not, I am not a ginger, but I am extremely fair skinned. Um, and uh, like a 160 watt light bulb and I'm getting color. Um, so it's, uh, Southern California is not necessarily conducive to what I have going on, but I think you would like get used to it. I went to a baseball game with all my friends, uh, a professional baseball game and we were walking down to our seats. It was in July and the female usher grabbed my arm and I was like, Oh my God, what like, are we getting kicked out already? What happened? And she says, come with me. And she walks me over to her little stand and she pulls sunscreen out of her purse and puts it on my neck. And <laughs> she's like, you're not, you're not going to make it today, sweetheart. Oh, no. Yeah. So, uh, that's, that's how sunburned I get. So, oh, gosh. I don't like sunscreen. I prefer to just hide under a tree or in a hotel room. <laughs> yeah. I am with you on that. Although I, I do get pretty tan. Brad and I were able to tan pretty good. So no complaints. But yeah, the the weather here is is kind of a one note. You know, if if it's super cold, it's like low sixties. <laughs> were you on that that um iconic trip that I read about sometimes? Uh to Jamaica? He, yes. No, I was too young. I was about I think I was like eight or nine. And uh, I think Brad was around 11 or 12. So, yeah, no, that I was not a part of that. Way um, to rub it in, Brad. Jesus. I'm yeah. sorry. Were you Honestly? on that amazingly epic vacation that changed the world of music? <laughs> Kelly, did they invite you or did they leave you at home? Tell us. Honestly, I don't even remember it, which is crazy. Like this thing that's become such a, such like a touchstone moment for everybody when Brad went on that trip. It wasn't like that. Like, it wasn't like he came back and the angels were singing and the heavens opened and <laughs> his eyes were like, you know, like, this is what I meant to do with my life. There was none of that. I literally have no recollection of him going on that trip, coming back from the trip, having his life changed by that trip. I think it was just a progression, you know, but, but looking back, you can go, okay, where did that come from? And kind of pinpoint that moment, moment. but only in retrospect. Only in retrospect. It you wasn't didn't notice something yeah, that you accent when you got back? No. <laughs> he didn't come back with a Jamaican accent. I have no uh, not according to the internet, Kelly. I've read the interweb. I know. Yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff on the internet. But yeah, no, I mean, I I think in, in hindsight, he was able to look back and go, yeah, that was kind of when it sparked it. But, you know, if he'd never gone into the music industry and, you know, reggae specifically, I don't know that that would have been like a life-changing moment for him. It was just a really great trip, you know, and we've always been into all kinds of different music. And so for him, it was just, it was a great introduction to another style of music, but, but it did spark something inside of him to want to make a similar sound. And I think that's why it became such a, 
a seminal trip for him. But yeah, I have no memory of it. Sorry. Super disappointing. <laughs> no, that was a cool, that was a cool take on it. <laughs> but if you did go, you would have tanned. And that's yes, there you go. I would have come back nice and bronzed. Well, you know, in the 80s, we used to put baby oil on when we laid out in the sun and just just fry. And, you know, we thought that was a good thing. So my girlfriend likes to put on tanning oil and, and get really sunned up and, and do the 80s style thing. Yeah, but she's, she's, she's half Italian. Brett and I also used uh, baby oil, but it was yeah. not. Um, not for so about about 10 minutes ago, I commented on being the first day of fucking spring. And the reason why I did that was because the spring and summer is upon us and the music season is in full swing. So, Brett, what's going on with Roots of Creation, man? Where, where are we going to see you? Well, I think that live music is, is finally back. Uh, thank uh, the Lord or, or Ja or uh, Mother Nature or whoever you want to thank um or believe in and uh we are uh let's see we are playing with the whalers pretty soon in massachusetts um that's and then awesome. we're, yeah that's going to be amazing uh the bass player is bob marley's original bass player he has since handed down the reins of the band to his son who's now uh, the drummer and the leader of the band, which is really cool, uh, wow. musical lineage going on there. Yeah. And then we're, then we're flying out to play Skull and Roses Festival in Ventura, California. Oh, uh, nice. Which, which will be really cool. We've never played Ventura before and it's a three day, uh, Grateful Dead Festival. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun. And, um, after that, we head to Florida to play a cannabis festival in Orlando. Um, and that is with our good friends cashed out. Um, mm, and Julian Marley is playing and I want the expendables are also playing. So that'll oh, be fun. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then the following day we're in Stewart, Florida. Um, and we get to do two sets, which is my favorite thing. Cause we'll do one set of grateful dub and one set of originals. So for me, that's, like my ideal situation where we get to spread nice. our wings, spread our wings, talk to the fans, play a set, talk to the fans, hang out, play another set. Uh, that's mm. my ideal kind of situation. Sure. Oh, and then, uh, then we have a bunch of Northeast festival stuff. You know, we're doing, we're playing at, uh, Northern Vermont University and then we're playing a bunch of festivals, uh, cannabis festival in Maine called Harry's Happening where we get to play, play, uh, three sets actually. And then oh. Jerry J. Jerry Jam again, the one that I was talking about earlier that kind of launched the Grateful Dub thing. And then, um, you know, a bunch of other festivals. There's a lot of things that aren't announced yet that we're kind of lining up. And um, we just launched this uh, Patreon project, which allows us to have kind of a, a monthly income kind of sub subscription for the fans where they get stuff, you know, months or weeks before the rest of the world and kind of behind the scenes updates and different kind of cool packages and exchange for that. They subscribe to the Patreon and then we're able to release music every month. So we have like an, an entire album and a half's worth of new original music. And um, if we get Wonderful. enough pa patrons, yeah, we're super stoked. Uh, we're going to start Grateful Dove volume two. So we, we have so much music that it's like, um, 
you know, we kind of didn't work on that because we were touring so much. And that's kind of been the blessing of, of COVID is um, we really got to go back to creating music. And I don't want to give that up. Yeah. And I don't want to give up the time with my kids. So right. we're, just, we're doing like touring, but we're doing it as smart as possible and making it fun and, uh, you know, making sure that we get new music out uh, consistently, you know, to awesome. just for ourselves and for the people. Yeah, you got to find a balance. It's tough. Now, if people want to be able to follow what's going on with you guys, where you're touring and all that, what, give us a, a your website, your socials, all that kind of stuff. For sure. Um, so the sh- shameless plug would be uh, if you go <laughs> to any s- social media site, just go at Roots of Creation, the at symbol uh, on Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter. Um, that's easy. And that's real simple grab those domains as soon as I could a long time ago. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and, uh, but I was too late on YouTube. So YouTube is roots of roots of creation, uh, a video or something okay. like that. It's the, it's not the same. Somebody stole okay. roots of creation. <laughs> we can find um, you. And then, uh, the websites roots of com, And if you want to get merchandise, that's uh shop roots of com. Uh, is a different site for our merch. And then um, if you want to check out the new Patreon project, it's uh, patreon.com backslash Roots of Creation. Basically, you want to look us up anywhere other than YouTube, just do a backslash uh, Roots of Creation. We've been trying to get hip with the, the TikToks uh, lately, so we just started one of those. If you want to jump on there and tell us what we should be doing and learn with us, um, please give us some insight on how to make that cool. And, uh, also keeping up with the times we started a, a discord channel because, uh, Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook can't control the algorithms on there. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you could do that. And the last plug I will give, uh, would be if you want to talk with me, uh, we, we created this cool little text, uh, app. So you can text me 617-752-8096 and, um, and I yeah, but you never send pictures them. back. <laughs> I, I don't send pictures. You mean like like scantily clad pictures? Like well, he nudes? wants nudes. I've he been wants I've nudes. been sending I've I've just been sending some appreciative fan photos, and I haven't gotten any back from you in the same light. So anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, well, let me let me see. <laughs> let me see. I'm gonna take one right now. I don't know if you want to see. <laughs> Let's see what he's been sending. Let me see if I can search oh for or. That's frightening. That's frightening. Well, there's a lot of places that people can reach you. And of course, as I mentioned, you guys did the song Roots of Creation for the house that Bradley built with Mighty Mystic. You've done a few songs with Mighty Mystic. Yes. yes. Love him. A, he, he's an amazing mm, artist. Yes. Very great artist. But as I mentioned before, we appreciate you so much. We appreciate all the support you're like a part of the family and um, we appreciate you being on the album and of course coming on the podcast and taking some time out with us. I know you're busy, but thank you so much. We've really enjoyed talking with you. Hey, there's no place I'd rather be in. And uh, Bobby Orr over here is a great (laughs) co-host. He's okay. I I appreciate it. Now he's just saying that because he's from Boston. So you're probably (laughs) a Bruins fan. Um, <laughs> my dad is a Bruins fan. I'm not super into sports, but Bobby Orr, I had, I definitely, my dad had this prized possession of a Bobby Orr 
rookie card uh, at his house that was in this special, you know, screwed in case. So for to see your name just brings back so many memories hanging out with my dad. Yeah, my dad has uh, my dad has some Bobby Orr memorabilia. He was actually a Bruins fan as a kid, so it worked out well uh, for him. And but I'm a diehard Sabres fan. Like I, I literally bleed blue and gold, and my dad knows this. And he actually called me. He had the audacity to call me. Him and my stepmom are standing in the Hockey Hall of Fame. They are on a, a little weekend excursion in Toronto, and my dad says. Yo, Slim, I'm looking at this special anniversary uh, Bobby Orr Boston Bruins jersey. Do you want me to – you got any interest? And I said, Dad, if you bring that fucking Boston Bruins jersey home in this house – I, I, Bobby Orr or not, there's no Boston Bruins jerseys in, in my house. So <laughs> as much as I appreciate sharing the last name with him and appreciate the fact that he's the greatest hockey player to ever play the game – um, I'm, I'm a Buffalo Sabres guy, no matter how bad we are. Very loyal of you. That's right. Brett, thank you so much, uh, for coming and hanging out. Guys, make sure you check out Roots of Creation. Um, Brett and, uh, they do an amazing job on social media. So make sure you're giving them a follow so you can check out all the cool stuff that they have going on. And, yes. uh, again, man, I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and chatting and, uh, you know, talking with Kelly and putting up with my bullshit. <laughs> You guys That's are a great team. <laughs> you guys are a great team. You got you got the uh, the antagonist and the and then the, the referee. Yes, it's great. Yes. <laughs> Man, Kelly, he called you an antagonist. Can you believe? Pretty sure he didn't. Pretty sure he didn't. Oh gosh. Well, you're delightful, Brett. So please come back on anytime. Share with us what you're doing. We'd love to catch up. It sounds amazing. And I've I've been talking to our uh, engineer, and I think he has some studio footage of when we recorded uh the, oh. the song roots of creation so might be able to piece together a, a fun little music video when he has some time so oh that would be great yeah mystic said he'd be down to do it too so awesome. the listeners will stay tuned and maybe we'll have that for you in a couple months right on love it well thank you again brett have a wonderful day you guys too well, Kelly, just as I expected, Brett Wilson did not disappoint. I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. Anytime I can chat and uh, just talk with somebody who's actually, you know, a, a really awesome person. But God, when you're into Sublime and the Grateful Dead, this could have been a five-hour podcast. <laughs> well, Brett's just a lovely human being to talk to anyway. And so that that in and of itself would be enough. But yes, I knew you guys would vibe on the whole Grateful Dead thing. So that was cool. Yeah, I was super excited about it. So lots of cool things coming up for Roots of Creation, guys. Make sure you give yes. them a follow. And lots of cool stuff coming up for the Knoll Family Foundation as well, right, Kelly? Yes. In fact, if you're in the Southern California area, make sure to come out to the Music Box in San Diego on Tuesday, April 5th. Our good friends over at Muffin But Good Vibes are putting on a show. Um, Catastro is headlining, which I absolutely love them. And Cat Hall, The Resonators, Alific featuring Man of the Forest. It's going to be a great show, a great night. We'll have a merch table there. So if you are anywhere in the Southern California area, make sure you come out on Tuesday, April 5th at Music Box. Yes, huge thanks to uh, to the folks over at Muffin But Good Vibes, uh, always doing uh, something for the foundation. So it's just really cool. And uh, of course, Kelly, I know that, Right now, it seems like it's probably far away, but 
we are barreling down on Cali Roots. Oh, I'm so excited for that. It's going to be a, a four-day show this year, May 26th through 29th in Monterey, California. It's always a good time. I'm telling you, the people that put on Cali Roots really know how to put on a show. So I highly recommend it to anybody. There are still tickets available. Definitely grab those tickets over at Cali Roots Festival. No, I'm sorry, California Roots Festival. Dot com California Roots Festival dot com. And of course, you can follow them on social media. And if you guys want, you can jump into the archives and check out our chat with Dan and uh, and hear a little bit about how all of that came together. And um, Cali Roots, I'm super excited for this one. Four days, tons of bands, uh, tons of great vendors. If you're going to be out at Cali Roots, make sure you stop by and check out the Knoll Family Foundation booth. We'll have all the cool merch that's available. If you're not going to be able to visit Cali Roots or any of the other events that we will be at, luckily, you can just scroll down in the description. Anna will be nice enough to put our link tree in there. Go ahead and click it. It'll get you to all things Knoll Family Foundation, including the website, which has all of the merch lined up on there. So you guys can go and pick up a hat, a t-shirt, hoodie, um, pins. There's all sorts of awesome merch on there and every penny goes towards getting Bradley's house up and open guys that's why we're here doing this show that's why we're putting these interviews on for you uh, so we can uh, share some cool stories spread some awareness and of course get the word out there so we can raise the funds to get Bradley's house open so we can start helping musicians immediately so uh, check all of that out find out how you can get involved of course just liking and sharing the foundation's social media pages um, on all forms of social media just go ahead and check out the Knoll family foundation pages and uh, you'll be up to date on all the cool things that are going on um, i know that anytime there's a, a new release whether it's some new cool socks for the merch or uh, maybe that awesome uh vinyl limited edition limited yes. double secret probation um <laughs> i know that uh, a lot of people have started receiving theirs already and are posting on uh on facebook and instagram the pictures of it uh the it's just it's a piece of art i mean other than it's the fact beautiful it's, music on it, it's just awesome looking yes yeah, so make sure you go over to law-records.com check out everything they've got going on there they've got so many great artists and also the house that Bradley built and the new splatter vinyl of the original release of the house that Bradley built. Guys, every dollar means so much. Cash app, Venmo, of course, you can click right on the donation link on the website. Um, but every dollar goes towards getting the house up and open. And it means so much, especially when uh, we all get in there and pitch in. So um, have your little part in this piece of the sublime story. And uh, let's help the Knoll Family Foundation get Bradley's house up and built. Uh, Kelly, I'm super excited about everything that we've got going on, both on Bradley's house and with the Knoll Family Foundation. Um, Jacob's out there. He's playing shows all over the place. Make sure you're following Jacob on Instagram. Uh, if you've been following Law, you can also follow his personal page at Jacob with a K. Noel, and uh, he posts all of his upcoming shows, dates, and, uh, of course, that super crazy cat that he has. <laughs> it's a super crazy cat creature. Jacob's got some great new music coming out and he's playing a bunch of shows. And of course we'll be having another benefit show for the Knoll family foundation in May. And we will definitely start uh, promoting that date very soon. And I'm excited. I know everybody loves hearing Jacob plays dad's music and uh, it's just a really great time. We had so much fun in February. 
thank you to everyone that came out. We're looking forward to doing it again this May. So to close out the show tonight, of course, we are so excited that we got a chance to talk with Brett Wilson from Roots of Creation. And I'm stoked for everybody to hear their cover of the Sublime song, Roots of Creation. Um, so here you go with Roots of Creation playing Roots of Creation. And it's an awesome one. I hope you guys enjoy it. Until next time, I'm Jared Orr. She is Kelly Noel. You don't have to go home, but it's time to leave Bradley's house. Loving women, 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 loving women